Good morning, everyone. Welcome inside the Green and White Report from the Impact 89 FM studios. An action-packed show today. A whole lot of sports. Crazy weekend on campus with a lot of sporting events going on. We're going to break it all down for you today. We're glad you guys joined us here on WDBM East Lansing. Zach Serdenik, AJ Evans, Matt Merrifield, Joe Dez pushing all the buttons for us in the studio across the hall. We're so excited to get things going. And we're going to start it off with an MSU sports whip around. So we're going to get to MSU football. We've got college football talk. We've got Lions preview coming up. We've got Sparty Awards, Gambling Corner, all of it coming up in the next couple hours. But we're going to start with an MSU whip around. And that's going to start with the same team we started with last week. They lost last Sunday. A bit of a surprise loss for the Michigan State women's soccer team, but bounced back in a big way this week. Yeah, I'd say they had a very impressive week, tough schedule, uh, obviously going out to Colorado, a uh, big game coming against Notre Dame, but they bounced back, good win against Eastern, and obviously over, um, uh, the win against Eastern was just very impressive on Thursday night, AJ, I know you were on the call for that one, just, what was it, 6 nothing? I believe they won yes. in that one, they yeah. just dominanced the entire way, yeah. and uh, it was impressive to see them bounce back like that. Yeah, I mean, in the last three games, there have been two hat tricks, so there's been a lot to like so far. From this team. Yeah, you got to love it. I mean, you're looking at Mackenzie Anthony, transfer from Baylor. She scored her first goal as a Spartan to start off that game, and it ended up with three in the first half. I mean, yeah, she was the, the entire attack for the soccer team has been great so far. Um, their best defense so far has been their offense. They've always seemed like they're on attack and finding ways to get inside. And I've so far, I've just been impressed with what I've seen so far. And obviously, they had that win against Northern Colorado, where they won seven to nothing last Thursday, last week Thursday on August twenty fourth. This couple days ago, they won six nothing. Tough matchup. Number fifteen Notre Dame comes to town tonight. That's I think going to be the first true test. Obviously, the Colorado lost last week, but can they really go toe to toe with some of the best in the country? And throwing it back a little bit to that Northern Colorado game, we talked about Mackenzie Anthony's hat trick against EMU, and AJ, you mentioned two in the last three games, but that one against Northern Colorado, Jordan Wickes as a sub, came in yes. and scored three goals in a 7-minute and 19-second span. Fastest hat-trick in program history. Yes, that was absolutely insane. This this team's front line it has been terrific so far, and I think what's most impressed me about this team is that they, I feel like, seem to control the tempo within the attacking third in every match. And, you know, they've made things really easy for their back line and for their goalie, just and how they've always been able to create opportunities within the midfield and how relentless they are in that aspect. And when you're looking at it, one thing that really impressed me during that game against Eastern Michigan, and really for them all season long, has been how crisp they've been passing. And that's yes. been a big part of that attack and that final third production for them is they're always finding lanes and finding openings to get their teammates involved. Well, I think... That's been one of the biggest things that we've seen with opposing teams. You know, Michigan State is really, really aggressive. They always are at the start of every match, and, and it just continues throughout the course of the match. But other teams have been as aggressive, and they've, but they haven't been as crisp as Michigan State has been. So I think it's the sign of a really disciplined team in that aspect. It's going to be a big shot for this women's soccer team today. Against Notre Dame, you want to try and compete at that high level. And you've also got to think about conference play coming up in a couple of weeks they started off with Ohio State two weeks from today yeah I yeah. think conference play is obviously the main goal they won the Big Ten a year ago tough stretch coming up obviously I have to finish off Notre Dame this weekend NC State during the week coming up and then Dayton before Ohio State in two weeks I think they have everything it takes to repeat as champions they have a big matchup at the beginning of October against Penn State here at DeMartin 
which I think is going to be a big game come down the road to the end of the season. Obviously, Penn State was a team that beat them in the Big Ten Championship a year ago. So, I mean, so far, I've been impressed with everything I've seen from them. And obviously, it's been a small sample size, but I think what Coach Hostler has done so far for this program has been very impressive. Yeah, and I, regardless of the outcome of tonight's game, as big as it is, I'm really, I think, most intrigued with how this team responds, whether they win or lose this match, because like we keep saying, this is a a really big test, I think, for the program in its entirety, not just for this season, but for the last few years. But like I said, regardless of whatever happens, I think this could be the start of whatever the outcome of the season is going to be. Notre Dame started really high in the rankings this year. I believe they were as high as number three Yes, in the rankings this season. They fell to 15, but that's not because they've been losing. They're still undefeated. Mm-hmm. They're 2-0-2, and, and their two draws, the first one that might have started their drop a little bit was against Milwaukee. That's a good Milwaukee team. That's the team Michigan State played in the first round of the NCAA tournament last year and had to go to extra time to beat the Panthers of Milwaukee. That's a good mid-major school. They had a 2-2 draw. Notre Dame beat Ball State. They beat Butler. And then, back on August 27th, just a little bit ago, Notre Dame just had another 2-2 draw against number 10 Arkansas. This team is going to be solid, and they're going to be really tough. They've got some All-Americans on that squad. Michigan State's going to have to battle there because this is the first time Notre Dame's gone on the road, and so you got to take advantage early. Michigan State's only beat Notre Dame twice in women's soccer. 12-2 and two Notre Dame advantage. Notre Dame 6-1 and one in East Lansing. But that crowd's going to be going, especially because, like we talked about, it's just been a crazy weekend on campus with sports. And we can move on to the men's soccer team who wasn't even a part of that crazy weekend on campus. They've been on the road, but they've been taking care of business on the road. Knocked off Army in their last one. Yeah, I mean, going back to on Tuesday, or Monday night, excuse me, they took on Bowling Green and... That one was impressive. The first game I'd been able to watch of them of the year. Uh, they were able, obviously, the loyal Chicago game was uh, no contest due to the weather. And I, I thought they looked impressive, especially late in that game. Uh, they scored two goals in the last 10 minutes to close off the win. Uh, Emma Von Afosa, I believe is how you say his name, he came in off the bench. And I think he scored, like, he came in as a substitution and then scored, I think, right off the corner or the free kick. I can't remember exactly what happened on that play, but he came in right off the bench and stepped up and got a big goal to get them off to the one nothing lead. And they look solid. Obviously, Bowling Green, not the most prolific men's soccer program in the country, but they took care of business at West Point yesterday, uh, or Friday night, excuse me. Tomorrow, they take on Villanova on the road before coming back for Dayton on Thursday. I think all those games are all very winnable. The next two coming up, obviously, go to South Bend in two weeks. Notre Dame's men's team's not quite as good as their women's team, but still uh, not tough test for them to, before getting into conference play. And I'm interested to see how this Michigan State team does going forward. have to point out the biggest thing on the schedule, though, for Thursday night. It's oh, Ted Lasso night. It is Ted Lasso night, and I'm very excited. Yeah, it's going to be could, fun. You're could, on the call for that I game, am, right? Yeah, uh, Ethan Hunter and I are on the call for that one, so we're trying to think of a way to uh, involve the Ted Lasso night into the broadcast. Yes, well, sir. if you guys are on campus, you get free access to Big Ten Plus, so make sure to check that out and check out a lot of these teams are playing on Big Ten Plus throughout the year and a lot of fun stuff going into that as well you can also check out a lot of these sports including football men's basketball women's basketball hopefully some soccer some volleyball soon on the impact airwaves as well so make sure to tune in to our crew uh shameless plug there obviously as always but that men's soccer team's got a win on the road 
which is big because they didn't really do that much last year. They struggled away from DeMartin. And when you can start to win on the road and start to feel better about it, we'll see how they do against Villanova on Monday. Keeping it moving on this whip around coverage, MSU men's golf, a team that's been on the rise that doesn't get talked about much. Two national amateur champions in the last three years. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously very impressive. Michigan State's men's golf is not the first thing that comes to mind when you think about Michigan State athletics, but it's awesome to see that they're making strides. Obviously, James Piott is kind of a, I would say, pretty well-known athlete on this campus considering the sport he plays. Obviously, he was able to go to the Masters after winning the U.S. Amateur a couple years ago. Uh, Ashton McCullough, awesome to see that he was able to win the Canadian Open, Amateur Open, and, uh, oh, it's Pyatt, sorry, James Pyatt. And um, I obviously, it's great to see. I was... Uh, you can talk a little bit more about what's going on this weekend, though. Yeah, it's it's a really cool thing going on. And I know we've got tomorrow off for Labor Day. So if anybody is in Michigan and wants to head over to Grand Haven, they're hosting the Folds of Honor tournament this week. It's a really cool experience. And head coach Casey Luban talked about it this week at his press conference. They're in Grand Haven. It's a veterans memorial type course out there in Grand Haven. And when you get to it, instead of taking your bags up to the clubhouse, you they take your bags right away and you walk through this like living memorial type setup. And it's a really cool thing. He talked about his relationship with his dad, who was Vietnam War veteran, and just the what this means to him and to this team. And they're going to have a lot of elite talent in Grand Haven this week for that tournament. Should be a lot of fun to watch that. Also, on a side note with it, and a pretty cool note for a lot of these players... It's a Jack Nicholas course. Jack Nicholas is going to be there today, and he's spending some time with the teams and getting to talk to the media and talk to people. It's got to be really cool. Get a chance to talk to a legend at that level for these athletes. And there was a question asked to Coach Luban about Jack Nicholas and kind of the players, because the players didn't grow up in that era. Obviously, none of us did either. Grew up in Tiger Woods era of golf. But basically, he said he explains it to them, and they think about it as, they think of Tiger Woods as the best golf ever played, and Tiger Woods doesn't have the records that Jack Nicklaus does. I mean, yeah, it's awesome. And I think Coach Luban's right. Having the importance and experience of meeting with a legend like Jack Nicklaus is great for the players. Um, obviously, everything he's done for the game of golf. So I'm interested to see, just going forward, how the men's program can do. Um, I'm just, I'm honestly, I'm just interested to see how it goes going forward. Because I know that, Michigan State has placed a big emphasis on the non-revenue sports these last couple of years, and we've seen improvements. Women's soccer is probably the biggest example. Gymnastics has been great. So hopefully we can see that improvement from golf and other sports as well. And a team that's looking to improve as well is the volleyball team that's had a good weekend so far, hosting the first annual Kathy DeBoer Invitational. They renamed it this year after Kathy DeBoer, who was honored last night before Game 2 for Michigan State. But they swept both Belmont and Syracuse. Neither team are top-tier opponents like you're going to see in the Big Ten. But Belmont's solid. Syracuse put up a good fight in that third set. But you had to like what you saw from some of the younger players on this team. Taylor Holdham, freshman out of New Zealand, made a big impact. You had another really good impact from Karolina Staniszewska out of Poland, another freshman. A lot of international players on this team, and they really have put in good work. Well, I think... First off, we have to give a shout-out to head coach Leah Johnson, Mm -hmm. reaching 200 career wins yesterday. Um, She set the career 
the record for most wins by a first-year head coach for Michigan State last year when she won her 13 games, or set the record, most wins by a coach since 1974. Yes, I believe that's the record. Um, but still very impressive. The team has moved over from the Jenison to the Breslin Center, which I think is big for the program. I know you have on here the attendance and the energy at the Breslin Center has been way better since the team moved over. I think there's a new energy for this program, which is good to see. And, um, I mean, overall... Um, I mean, it's good to see there's improvement from this volleyball program. That's what you want to see. It takes time to build a program. I think Leah Johnson's well on her way to doing it. She did a good job at Edwardsville and did a very good job at Illinois State, which is why she landed this job. Well, and I love the energy. Like you mentioned at Breslin, it was very apparent last night in the night game. I get the 10 a.m. game. There wasn't as much, especially after a Friday night football game. People still waking up on campus. But credit to Michigan State's volleyball squad. They came out with energy, and they swept Belmont. But the nightcap had a lot of energy. There was good fight, especially the third set was a lot of fun. The first two sets, Michigan State dominated, 25-12, 25-13. But that third set, Syracuse came all the way back and was leading the third set. They were up 24-23 and had set point, had a chance to extend it. Michigan State rattled off a few points in a row, ended up taking the set and taking the match to get Leah Johnson that 200th win. It was a really cool experience, and I'm excited for what that team can do. Nalani Osea was a huge leader for them. She has the experience. She was on that Texas team back in 2021 that went all the way to the national championship game and then transferred to Michigan State before last year in her senior season. She has to be where you look when you look at this Michigan State team in terms of leadership. Yeah, I mean, this group has a, a pretty good mix, I think, of underclassmen and upperclassmen. But, you know, last week, I think we all kind of struggled to pinpoint what the expectations will be of this team. Um, and so I think... All of the success and the positives that we've seen this weekend is just a sign that things are trending in the right direction. And, I mean, that's all you can ask for out of a program that's still obviously looking to rebuild. But I think if there's the right person to do it, it's Leah Johnson. I mean, yeah, I'd have to agree. Like I said uh, before, her time at SIU Edwardsville and then Illinois State, she was dominant. I believe the Redbirds made four straight NCAA tournaments. They were a powerhouse in the Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, so I think she's done a great job there. And I think she's going to continue to build this team. We're seeing trends in the right direction. And obviously, they took care of business yesterday. I think they'll take care of business against Delaware State today. Tough matchups against Duke and UNC next weekend. Uh, but so far, and I, I'd be interested to see how they do in Big Ten play. Just Big Ten's a tough conference in volleyball. Obviously, oh, yeah. Wisconsin, Minnesota's good. I believe Penn State's also a top 15 team in the country. Yeah, Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska as well. They just set the uh, all, the attendance record, mm-hmm. obviously, playing outside at uh, Lincoln Memorial Stadium. Uh, so big. this is the Big Ten's a tough conference to be good in, but I think Leah Johnson is laying the groundwork to for Michigan State to become an elite program. Well, we'll have to see if they can do it. You mentioned those matchups next week against Duke and North Carolina. Today, they've got Delaware State. We'll see if the Spartans can stay above 500. We're going to take a break, come back in about five minutes with Michigan State football talk, breaking down everything from week one. Slight look ahead to week two as well. You are listening to the Green and White Report on WDBM. Welcome back to the Green and White Report here on WDBM. We just did a Michigan State whip around. Now we've got Michigan State football talk, the Spartans. Starting off the year with a 31-7 win over Central Michigan on Friday night. I know all of us were in attendance for that game. Guys, let's start with your biggest takeaway. AJ, go ahead. My biggest takeaway from this game was that I think, first and foremost, things did not come together, I think, as quickly as everyone anticipated them to. 
Um, like you said, we were all in attendance. The vibe that I got within the stadium was that everyone was upset and, and you know, there was there was a lot of concern after that first half. Um, obviously, things picked up quickly after that, but I think – I think this that second half could be indicative of the season in terms of things not coming together maybe as quickly as everyone expects them to, but things nevertheless coming together at some point. But this is a new team with a lot of different working pieces, obviously a, a new quarterback, so it's going to take some time. But that, that was my biggest takeaway. Yeah, it definitely was not the start that people really thought, but I liked what I saw overall from this too. team. Like, I think they put in... Decent work. I mean, from what I saw calling the game, Zach Slok and I on the air, um, at the first half was awful. I mean, that was um, the booze coming in from the student section just around the stadium. Yep. I believe it was like five minutes left in the first half before State had scored their first touchdown. It, it was bad. Noah Kim did not look very good in the first half. Um, the offensive line wasn't great. The, pa- the, the play calling was awful but the defense stood tall now i know central michigan's offense isn't great bird emmanuel jr is not a passer by any means whatsoever a lot of his like missed a lot of throws but i think overall the defense looked solid the entire night stepped up i think of like the seven drives central michigan had in the second half four of them were three and outs and then no drive was longer than seven plays like they really just put their foot down didn't let Central Michigan have anything. They did a good job of stopping the mobile quarterback, keeping everything at bay. Offensively, they figured it out in the second half. Nathan Carter June, or Nathan Carter, is that guy. I mean, I think Michigan State has found their number one back. Noah Kim improved in the second half. I mean, he still finished with 279 yards, 58% completion percentage. He was 18-31. But, but he was 18-31, but I believe at one point in the second half, he was 8-9. for nine. He was 8-9 for nine to start the second half. I remember that. So he it, 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 he just he did it. The first half jitters got better. The team can only get better from here, I think. Like there's a lot of room to grow. They're gonna be able to work out the kinks against Richmond next week. Now, two weeks from now, Washington comes to town. Washington looked good yesterday. That was scary because they didn't even try to run the ball. They just threw it over Boise State all day. And Penix had, I believe, over 400 yards and five touchdowns. And I don't know how they're gonna stop that. But regardless. We don't know because we, the corners looked solid. But they did look but, solid. Like, Bert Emanuel wasn't going to beat him with his arm right, anyways. But I still thought on some of the throws that were better, the pass coverage was just there. Like in years past where they look like, I don't even know how to explain it without like completely insulting our corners, where they just could not guard somebody if a ball went up in the air. They didn't know what to do. Yesterday they broke up multiple passes. Uh, Angelo Gross looked great on uh, Friday night in my opinion. Dylan Tatum was a much-needed breath of fresh air at the corner spot as a sophomore. I th- I thought there was a lot of good things to see. Marquis Lowry had a nice pass breakup at the very end of the game near the goal line. So I thought there was a lot of improvements. And I, th- I do think the pass defense and the defense as a whole this year will be much better. So. so who's your player of the game? For me, it's Carter. I mean, he was the one that stood out to me the most on offense. I thought he was terrific. Like you said, Matt, I think they found their back and he was, I think, one of the consistent bright spots within this within this game. Something Michigan State. I was going through yesterday and updating my notes for just you know broadcasting games every weekend. Nathan Carter was had zero rushes for negative yards. 
He every one of his carries, he at least got back to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. That's just Jalen Berger couldn't say the same. Now the, those were the only two backs that got carries. Noah Kim had a couple uh, direct quarterback runs, which I thought was interesting. Michigan State hasn't done that probably since Brian Lewerke. I think they need to do it more. I think they need to do it more. I've, I Kim agree. took that big shot on the sideline. That's going to happen. His and quote he, after the game was so funny on that. They asked him about the quote for anybody that didn't, or about the hit for anybody that didn't hear when he got hit out of bounds late and there was a flag. And he said, it was nice to get hit. I haven't been hit in a while. And I just thought it, that was great. It was, uh, one thing I will say about that was the guy that hit him, I went to high school with, I graduated, <laughs> DJ Stepney, shout out Macomb, Dakota. Um, don't hit our quarterback, or don't hit that quarterback when he's going out of bounds. But it wasn't like a malicious hit, malicious hit or anything. Um, but I thought Kim looked better in the second half. Um, the receivers, we talked about the depth. That receiver room is going to be good, whoever they throw out there, whatever combination I like. Uh, Trey Mosley struggled. Malik Carr did not have a great game. I thought the connection between Carr and Kim was off all night. You obviously had that one inten- that intentional grounding call. Didn't cost Michigan State, obviously, because they were up so big at that point. That's not intentional grounding by any m- mean of the rule. It It isn't, but by the rule, it is. But by the rule. It's not the intent of the rule, but it is the, the, the rule. rule. I I know, I don't know what the rule, I know the NFL has their rule, and I know it's different from college to the NFL, but I believe it's the same wording. I could be wrong, but it's, if the intent is to avoid a sack or avoid losing yardage. I mean, he was about to get hit. And he did think it that clearly wasn't. It was a, he was looking for Malik Carr, and I agree. But there was no one anywhere near the area. He's in the tackle box. As much as it's not intentional, intentional grounding by rule, I think it's great. I thought it was a load of crap. And Mel Tucker gave him <laughs> Mel Tucker let the ref hear it. Um, <laughs> it didn't matter, obviously, no. except for it stalled out that drive. But all in all, I mean, my my biggest complaint was having Jalen Berger run the same have. Like Jalen Berger has his role as the running back of downhill, short yardage. He's the big back. Let him get those short yardages. Nathan Carter is your speed guy, your one-cut guy. And Berger, they're two different backs. And have, expecting them to make the same runs is just not going to work. And I, Go ahead. I, I will also say I don't think that throughout the rest of this season, I was thinking about that, that it will be Jalen Berger because we didn't see Jaron Mangum. Uh, well, he was on the uh, in- he, was, he, yes, he was on the injury correct. list. Correct, he was questionable and did not play. But when he is healthy, he will almost certainly be that third down short yardage back because and, he is a big it's, back. Six three two thirty five is a very good runner. I mean, I don't. My biggest issue was you had a couple plays where Jalen Berger was in on first down trying to run a counter, and that's just not well, the style want, he is. They want to keep mich- or those running backs fresh, and they've talked about it. They want to use all. They want to use four different backs. You saw three in that game with. Uh, Berger, Carter, and Jordan Simmons getting a couple of reps in there. I think you're going to see all three of those guys play and Jaron Mangum play. And that's fine, but I just don't like the idea. And then you have the fourth, two fourth and ones. Both times you run out of the shotgun to Nathan Carter. And both times you, you didn't get it. You can't do... Yeah, quarterback sneak all day, especially you when you have, a mo- you, have, you have a mobile quarterback in Noah Kim, so you have no reason not... If you are going to go out of the shotgun, run a read option. At least give yourself multiple right. looks. But, but I just... I, I, it remains the same. Someone I, asked Tucker about it, and he said that. Didn't he laugh about it? Yeah, he said, uh, we don't have enough time for that, for me to go into that one. He said, maybe another time. Jesus. That, that doesn't make me feel good. So, uh, Zach Sloak and I were not at the press conference. We were filling our stand-up after the game. So had I heard that in the in the presser, I probably would have lost my mind. But um, not exactly what I want to hear. But overall, my player of the game... Uh, Nathan Carter's, I think, the obvious choice. A couple guys you can pick on defense. Can't take Nate Carter. He's already gone. Oh, did I 
Yep. He tells you how much I'm paying attention right now. Um, it's on the sheet in front of you. Is it? It is. I'm not even looking at it. Okay. Oh, man. Let's go. All right. AJ, you took Nate Carter. Get it Carter. together, man. I, I, I'll get it together. Uh, let's go Dylan Tatum, the sophomore okay. corner. He looked really good. Nice. I was very impressed with him. Made a couple really nice open field tackles. Uh, so yeah, uh, he's my pick. Now, we haven't talked about him a lot, but I really liked what I saw from him. I did, too. I liked him. I liked what I saw from Jaden Mangum. I liked what I saw from Leek Spencer. I thought, the, And that's why we talked about the secondary a little bit. I think that they've got a shot to be decent. But we're going to find out in two weeks, and we're going to find out in a big way. Yeah. But my player of the game, there's two that I was between. I thought you were going to take one of them, so I was just going to take the other. The receivers with Jerron Glover and Tyrell Henry. I want to take Tyrell Henry just for that one catch because that was, that was insane. Insane. But Glover, I think, is going to be my player of the game here. And it's because I think Jerron Glover bailed out this team. If Noah Kim and Glover don't connect on that one, Glover had three catches for 75 yards. I believe all of them yeah, were on the on same drive. drive. And that's the drive that Michigan State scored the touchdown on that made the Spartans ahead going into the half. And if they're not ahead going into the half, it's a very different game in the second half, in my opinion. And I think that that third down throw, the booze had just been coming in from the student section from all over the stadium on Noah Kim. Instead of falling apart, they drop back and he finds Jerron Glover for a big gain. They talked about his ability to take the top off a of defense, and he did that again. I I will say, and we can kind of get into Noah Kim. John Glover made some really nice catches. Um, I thought Christian Fitzpatrick had a nice catch there yes. in the second half for seventy four yards, I believe seventy two yards. Mm-hmm. Um, Trey Mosley, Trey, the honestly, the, the two receivers that didn't impress me were the two returning guys. Trey Mosley had two drops. Or I was one, stunned. I don't know the, that I've the, ever the, seen Trey the, Mosley I, drop. And a that's ball. what Slowick said on air. He's like, I've never seen him drop a pass, and I can say the same thing. He, I just he just didn't look locked in. Malik Carr had that big drop down the sideline in the first quarter. Um their connection seemed off like we said, just a lot of miscommunications, a lot of missed throws from Kim. But overall, I thought Glover looked good, Tyrell Henry looked good on the return. Alante Brown, how he came back into the game after the opening kickoff, I don't know. Um yeah. that's a different completely different conversation. I thought uh Antonio Gates Jr. was on the field, but he didn't really get many targets. I don't think he had any targets, but I know he, he had, was out there. He had the one target on a on a third down oh, early, I, yeah, and yeah. it was a there was a pass. very big miscommunication. Yeah. He had, and then the he, pass, the interference, pass interference he call he was targeted on. Yes, um, that was later. In obviously, Montori Foster had a catch. So I thought all the receivers were good. They all seem to have their role. I'm interested to see who really steps up next week. We're going to see all of them again because it's Richmond who lost to Morgan State yesterday, seventeen to ten. Michigan State, they have to win by 40 at least next week don't doubt the spiders i'm gonna doubt the spiders okay they they're, they're, um, they did not uh, based on the box score it was a rough game in richmond yesterday yeah but g- to touch on the receivers again it talked about the catch from tyler henry we talked about malik Carr struggling a little bit but he did make a really nice catch on his touchdown that basically he jumped up the guy tried to hit him out of the air but you're not going to hit Malik Carr out of the air because he's a massive human yeah. being. And that's pretty much summed it up. Pretty that. much. I mean, Kim, I I thought I like still like Noah Kim. A little frustrated in the first half of somebody who really was behind him all summer, thinking he should be the guy. Now, it looked like he was throwing off his back foot a lot, especially in the first half. There were some throws that he just was leaning back and just everything was high. Um, so hopefully he can get that fixed for next week. 
I don't know really know why. I mean, I, it has to just be the first game nerves. It wasn't like he was under pressure. Yeah, he, I, I mean, he took the one sack, but like it wasn't like he was under duress and trying to get the ball off. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like, I understand, you know, some of the concern and some of the frustration, but I do think a little bit of it was unreasonable, just given the fact that it was the first game and that this is a brand new team. Like, we saw what we needed to see, and I think everyone saw what what everyone expected well, to see in the second half. It just came a little bit later. And I also thought. We saw glimpses of what Noah Kim can be. For sure. He's got a cannon of an arm. I don't know if anybody saw his Hail Mary, yeah. a Hail Mary at the end of the first yeah. half. He hit Montori Foster yeah. in the face. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even realize it from how high up we were, but I saw the replay. It hit him right off the face mask, and it's like, that was 50 yards. Right. And he just rolled out a little bit and stepped into it and fired it right down the field, fired a strike. So there's plenty of potential. We've seen the receivers have potential to get open, especially downfield. So I, I, it's there. It's just going to take some time. But I really do think we saw glimpses. And um, I didn't even know this. Slowick brought this up on air. He was like 41-2 and two in high school as a starting quarterback. Like he wins football games. And I think that goes a long way sometimes. I hate the, you know, he's a winner narrative unless it's Jimmy Garoppolo. But like. Or Bonix. Or Bonix is barely a winner to be Correct. honest with. Uh, not at Auburn at least. But just, you know, having that ability to go out and be a leader and win games, that does translate. And I think. It's going to for Noah Kim, and so for, I mean a thirty-one to seven win. I you can't complain overall. No, you can't. You can't. Michigan State pulled away. I do want to point out uh, to anybody because I know I mentioned this to both of you guys, but it was the morning of the game, and we were talking score predictions, and I said thirty-one ten. So I'll take it. Don't count on me for anything else. That's my one being close all year. But either way, Jonathan Kim looked good. In the field goal I, game. I, I will say that as bad as special teams was, especially the kicking game a year ago, watching him step up and nail a 47-yarder, that yep. was, you know, would have been good from 50-plus. That's great to see. Uh, obviously, having Hank Pepper back as a long snapper is good. Punting. Oh, Hank Pepper had a chance to pin oh, at that's the a, one. Let's say the punt, uh, the punt team was still solid. I mean, obviously, it's not Bryce Berenger. Correct. But overall, I mean, uh, they pinned one inside the 20, and then they had the second one. It could have been inside the five, but Hank Pepper just mishandled it, sliding in towards the end zone. But, you know, overall, I thought the punt team was solid. Um, Central Michigan's punter struggled, but yes. that's not Michigan State's problem, obviously. And um, so, overall, special teams was better. You didn't notice the special teams, which is always a good thing, in my opinion. Um, and Nathan Carter, overall, I mean, the first half, most forgettable half I've ever seen. It was one of the halves of all time, as I said on air. Um but second half, much better. And, uh, I mean, yet obviously next week's going to be a fun one for Saturday game day, which will be interesting to see East Lansing. And then, obviously, in two weeks, the Washington game. I'm excited. I'm excited for that game. As much as because either Michael Pennington going to throw for 500 yards or Michigan State shows that they're, you know, a real football team to be reckoned with. So we'll Or see. Michael Penix is going to throw for or, 600 or, or yards. Or he's going to throw for 500 yards. And but, yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. Any last thoughts on that game, AJ? No, I think things will come together. It'll just take some time. And I think that this first game is indicative of that. All right. Well, we'll see how it goes. We're going to step aside, be back with a look around all around the country. Week one of college football going on, and we're going to break it down for you right here on WDBM. Welcome back to the Green and White Report on WDBM East Lansing. It's time for our week one college football look around. And where else could we start but with Coach Prime? What a game that was. That was so much fun. Colorado knocking off number 17 TCU on the road. The debut of Deion Sanders as the head coach and his son Shador Sanders was outstanding. First off, did you guys get a chance to watch that game? I did. Yeah, I did. 
yeah, we both uh, we both did get the chance to watch. So, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that one. When did you did you guys think before the game Colorado was going to have a shot in that game? I did. I thought so. I thought they would cover. I I didn't know. Um, I felt like Colorado coming into the season was the biggest. They could win nine games. They could win two games. Like, I mean, it, the, like is Dion for real? That's what happens when you have eighty six right, new when players. You have all these transfers. You have right. Dion Sanders, like the hype machine. But is it real? And I wanted to believe it was. I also thought it was the perfect matchup of TCU because I defended TCU all year last year on these airwaves. But this year, I acknowledge the fact that they were not. They that, don't have Max they, they don't Duggan. Max Duggan. The magic just isn't there. You lost a lot of players to the NFL. Um, Kendry Miller, Quentin Johnson, the two big stars on offense. They lost players on the defense as well. So it's being expected. They're, I think, 17th in the country, 19th in the country. TCU, 17. 17. You know, 20-point favorites felt like way too much. I I wouldn't have bet Colorado Moneyline, but still, I definitely would have taken them in the points. And um, they've impressed me yesterday. Uh, Travis Hunter is for real. I mean, I knew he was being the number one player in the country coming out of high school two years ago. And obviously, kind of got forgotten going to Jackson State, but coming back and people really got to see what kind of a talent he is. Yeah, he's really good. He played a ton of snaps. We're going to get into a few Coach Prime quotes in a minute that we want to talk about. But one of them that I loved after the game, he was talking about Travis Hunter, and he was like, "I don't know how many snaps this guy played, but we're going to get him a hot tub on the plane." And that was just electric and Deion Sanders at its finest. But Shador was outstanding. 38 for 47, 510 yards, a program record in his first game, four touchdowns, and they spread the ball around. I mean, Travis Hunter had 111 yards, and it kind of felt at times that Shador just had to drop back and throw it to 12, and he'd make a catch. But also, at the end of the day, Colorado last season had two times where a receiver got over 100 yards in a game. Yesterday, they had four different players have over 100 receiving yards. That's insane. Dylan Edwards was outstanding. Their running back, he had four touchdowns, three of them receiving. They just continued to make plays. And really, every time TCU punched, Colorado punched back. Yeah, there are a handful of question marks with this team still, but if there's anything that can be answered after yesterday's game is that the offense is for real. I think Shador's is the real deal. I mean, and like you said, they just they have so many options. I was really, I think... As impressed as I was with Shador and and Travis, I'd have to say the guy that stood out to me the most in that game was Jimmy Horn Jr. Just because mm. I, not to say I wasn't expecting it, I you know I knew about his speed coming into this one, but I mean he just showed up for them every time that they needed him. And Travis obviously did what he was supposed to do, but you're only going to be able to go to Travis so much throughout the course of a game, and he's not going to be able to play as many snaps as he was able to yesterday. But Jimmy Horn Jr., Dylan Edwards, those guys doing what they did yesterday, I think shows how dangerous this team can be in big games. Yeah, I thought Horn and Edwards especially yesterday, both very impressive. The only issue I see going forward with this Colorado team is their schedule is such a gauntlet. They host Nebraska next week. That's That's the big noon kickoff. I think this line is like two and a half. I'm hammering Colorado because the line is that's insane as of right now. But I think it's I think it's obviously I think it's going to change a little bit. But Colorado right now looks very impressive. Nebraska Minnesota on Thursday night was a um, yeah was like pull, one and was, a half was like pulling teeth. I think is the uh, correct analogy to use for that game on Thursday night between Minnesota and Nebraska. Neither of those teams looked that good. Both offenses were brutal. Uh, so I think Colorado at home should be able to take care of business. Obviously, you know, cool, kind of cool, classic old school rivalry. Um, but 
after that, they have Colorado State, who they should take care of business, but then it's at Oregon, USC. They go to UCLA at the end of October. They still have to play Oregon State at home, and they finish the season at Utah. That I don't see them winning more than two of those games. I mean, and I mean, outside of that, they have Arizona, Washington State, Stanford, Arizona State. I think that this team can get to seven wins, but those five games... I, I think anything seven beyond and five. that. I think seven and five, and that's a great season. But they could be nine and three because they could very possibly beat UCLA. They could beat Oregon State. Like yeah, those, those are, yeah. those those are, those beat, are and games. they could get so, to nine and three. Those are the two games of the five, I believe. I just listed off that they. I can see them winning. Obviously, we'll find out how good Oregon State is with DJ Ukulele um, this afternoon against San Jose State. Um, San Jose State's good. People, you, you, I mean, people yeah, they, talking they about San Jose State. Shevin Cordero. Yeah out of originally Hawaii and now at San Jose State, they can score. Now, they're going to give up points, but they can score. And UCLA looked solid last night against Coastal Carolina. Obviously, they benched uh, Garbers for Don- – Dante Moore finished the game last night. Mm, was I was their leading, not awake he, to see that. He oh. was their leading passer to finish the night. I, I, I didn't realize he came in. I fell asleep before he came in. Yeah, but, I, was, so, I was asleep. And I, I, obviously, Dante Moore thought he might have a chance of being a Spartan last year. Obviously, he's committed to Oregon, then flipped to UCLA. Um Future Big Ten quarterback Dante Moore, uh, but he's a uh, I, he's, he's a stud, and I think UCLA is going to be ju- that much better, especially in a Chip Kelly offense. We'll see how that goes, but just a gauntlet. The Pac-12 is such a gauntlet this year. I hope they can get somebody in the college college football playoff before. Obviously, they pretty much. I mean, they disband at the end of the year. Stanford and Cal are officially going to the ACC in next year, so that should be an interesting look. But, yeah, what is what is going to happen to Oregon State? And Washington State. Hello, Mountain West. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be... like going to Hawaii. Yeah, it's going to be brutal. That's unfortunate for those guys out there. That's just a really tough experience. I This summer, spent a lot of time with some people that play baseball at Oregon State and some people that are working the... Also working the Pac-12, but actually got out of there. And it, it was really interesting conversation with those guys about, like, how that is going to look for somebody that's not the Big Ten well, who's been the predator... But in a conference that's been the prey. Well, it, it's interesting too because Oregon State, Oregon State baseball is one Legit. of it's the pro, one, pro, arguably the program on the West Coast right now. I mean, they're better than UCLA and USC. They're better than yeah. I mean, Stanford. Uh, oh, Stan, Stanford is, uh, is Stanford. But, but even Stanford right now having I mean, the ACC is a great baseball pro. But yeah, but that's, that's going to be crazy. how's that baseball program going to survive having to fly to Wake Forest? And then Chapel Hill, each, like, are they just going to live on the East Coast for the spring semester? Yeah, like, it's so, going to be. I mean, logistically, it's going to be tough. I just don't see it. Oregon, but State's, how are those ACC teams going to go to? Yeah, but that's Palo once. A, that's I mean, that, but that's once a week, right, a, right, For the entire season, right. but those Stanford teams, has to live on this side of, this, of the country, basically. Right, but those teams all are going to have to go over there. But I mean, that's yeah. College baseball is going to be interesting. A lot of these non-revenue sports going to be interesting. But back to the point. But back to the point of. I mean, the Pac-12 is so deep this year. Seeing Colorado be a solid team is just adding to that depth. Obviously, we did weren't quite sure what we were going to get with them. Um, and I'm just glad that the first noon kickoff, big noon kickoff of the year was great. Fox yes. selling all those ads. <laughs> Chip Kelly. Anyways. Had a great quote on that last but, night. That was, um, yeah, that I mean, was it was a great start to the, straight start to the season for Colorado. Um, and I'm interested to see how they continue that moving forward because coach prime is for real from what we can see well we'll have to see where it goes my favorite coach prime quote though was at halftime and he was talking about travis hunter and his quote was quote he's him we missed him on a couple of deep balls if we hit those the heisman's in his crib chilling right now 
And that was just an electric quote after one half of football. But we'll have to see how Colorado does going into the rest of the season. Taking a look at some of the top teams. Everybody at the top took care of business. Teams cruised. Yep. Georgia dominated. Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama. Although Ohio State didn't score that many points, which was a little surprising against an Indiana team that I don't think is going to be that good. But either way, they cruised, and so did pretty much everybody else. There were, I want to say it was four top 25 teams that had 65 or more points yesterday. which was crazy. Ole Miss had 73. Oklahoma had 73. Oregon had 81. Poor, poor Oregon Duck mascot. Puddles. I, I just feel so bad. He's going to be a puddle today. That's brutal. So for anybody that doesn't know at home, the tradition with Oregon, they the mascot does push-ups for every time they score, right? But it's not just the amount that they score. It's or like a touchdown. They, do, they don't do seven. They a, do the amount of points that they have. And so I think the total ended up being something around 540-something. Five, 545 push-ups. Yeah. It was insane. And one of the broadcasters said, what are the odds that the mascot can lift its arms tomorrow? And then the mascot right on cue pretty much fell down and just kind of laid on the ground. And the other broadcaster said, probably zero, considering they can't even give a hug right now. They're just on the ground. And that was just, man, that was an image to behold. I feel so bad for him. Bonix's Heisman campaign off to a pretty solid start, if I don't say so myself. It was Portland State. I don't care. (laughs) Put up 81 points. I think he had had more yards and more touchdowns in half a game than J.J. McCarthy had in a full game against East Carolina, so I don't want to hear it. No one one on this show said J.J. McCarthy could be the Heisman. But (laughs) a certain color commentator on Fox is trying to tell people that he's the best quarterback in the country, and that's full of crap, and I will not let... He's got some high odds to win the Heisman. I don't want to hear it. He's also got decent odds to be a number one pick next year oh spare me you know what if he if jj mccarthy throws 30 passes a game if he averages 30 pass attempts a game michigan loses twice this year i don't know who it's to penn state's one of them and they'll lose to somebody else and they're not going to the playoff i i'm i think that's false i'm putting my foot down they cannot get away with throwing the ball 30 30 attempts a game that is way too many for the way michigan should be winning football games that's not how michigan plays it's not but it's donovan edwards and blake corum I don't think it's you only scored matter. thirty They're points so against ECU, good. and you played your starters the whole night. ECU is better than you think they are. ECU is not great, but ECU is better than you. I don't want to hear it. Like they are. It. We're going to see in the next. Are they two better weeks. than Central Michigan? Yes. Yes, and it's not close. Are they? Yes, they are much better. But than Michigan's Central. supposed to be better than Michigan State. I Correct. Don't, there's a but, narr- there's a narrative there. Yeah, what? you're trying to push it. But I'm Central and push. ECU are on Matt, very different levels. <laughs> I wasn't impressed with what I saw yesterday in Ann Arbor. That's bottom line. What I also wasn't impressed with was. And the game was in Bloomington, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Buckeyes. Ryan Day, yeah. born on third base. Yeah, I mean, that was the biggest eye-opener. Man, you we were are pushing about. a lot of narratives today. <laughs> when you talked about the teams at the top, that was the biggest eye-opener for me, just Ohio State, you know, not coming out and, and scoring as much. But, I mean, even with that, I'm not all too concerned. Not at all. It's it's week one, bro. Yeah. Ag- agreed. That is That needs to be clipped and played on every radio show across the country this week. It's week one, bro. Like, just relax. Everybody needs Facts. to take a chill pill. But I know no, Merrifield is, absolutely he not. is the king of you the overreaction it. train. No, no, it's not an overreaction. Anyway. I'm not I'm just talking about that one. I'm talking about all of it in general. All right, let's have some fun, though. The nightcap was where I think a lot of the fun was outside of the Colorado TCU. There were a lot of fun games in those 7 o'clock or later window. UNC South Carolina 
was pretty fun. Notably on our sheet, by the way, I didn't put UNC versus USC, just so anybody at home knows. Uh, South Carolina is not USC. But that was a fun game. Drake May, Caleb Williams going at it. South Carolina had a shot late in the game to get back into it through a pick. I mean, it's... South Carolina is going to be fun this year with Spencer Rattler. And yes. Drake May looked the part for the most part last night. Yeah, and that was the most fun part to me, just seeing those two quarterbacks go back and forth. I mean, I was really I, I was really intrigued with that matchup. Um, I feel bad because I missed a few of those games, but those night games were a little more entertaining than the afternoon ones, the, for sure. There was one afternoon game I want to go back to, yeah, and it's Auburn-UMass. Oh, there, was, yes. there was a clip okay. from that game. So Peyton Thorne started for Auburn, 10 for 17 for 141 and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. That's a solid day. UMass isn't very good, just to be clear. Uh, but on one of his throws, he threw a deep fade. I don't know who the receiver was for Auburn. Came down with it near the goal line. And the color announcer goes, that's why he's here, to make those throws. And I said, that's the only throw he can make. Because that's the only throw he threw last year to, to either Jaden Reed or Keon Coleman. That bothered me yesterday, and I could not stand it. I think... And he looks fine One thing Auburn. I will say with that is, and about the stat line, they went to a rushing quarterback when they got... Towards the red zone. I mean, yeah. They, and so they, he could have they, had a lot more they, touchdowns had they let him they, play. They ran the ball 44 times yesterday. Yeah. They, I mean, they just ran it down UMass's throat, and it worked. But right. I just, that specific moment from that game bothered me because I was like, anyways, um, you know, can't let Peyton Thorne but get yeah. away with all of it. Uh, Baylor looked terrible yesterday. Yeah, they that looked- game was fun. Texas State, Baylor, that was, that was a fun one because Baylor just kept making it look like they were going to come back and D- then kept D- not coming back. Dave Aranda... Might be a fraud. Just throwing that out there. His we'll only see. good his only good year at Baylor was with Matt Rule's players. Yeah, we'll see. So we'll see. Um, obviously, North Carolina, South Carolina, Drake. Illinois, Toledo was a blast. Underrated, big bit of a sickos type game, but that game on Big Ten Network last night was so much fun. Toledo went up. I want to say like nineteen to seven. They scored nineteen straight, and then Illinois responded, jumped out in front. And then Toledo came right back and took the lead late. Illinois drove down the field and kicked a game-winning field goal at the end. The back and forth was a lot of fun in that. But that was not the best game going on at that time because Wyoming-Texas Tech was so much fun in Laramie. Power 5 teams going to Laramie, it's not fun, man. The Cowboys, they're going to give it to you. Well, I mean, I'm going to provide this from the Oregon perspective of that to Oregon plays next week at 7.30 on Fox. and everyone The only t- thing Matt Merrifield yeah, sees, by the way, is Oregon is, is football. Bonex, is Bo Nix. <laughs> yes, and sir. I was told, oh, Texas Tech is supposed to be this dark horse, maybe to win the Big 12. And I heard it, that too. And I was like, maybe? Like, I can see it. And then I was like, people were like, are you worried about week two? And I'm like, well, we'll see. If they play Wyoming, not worried anymore. I'm more worried about the Colorado game in two weeks. I'm still not worried about that because that game's in Autzen Stadium. But... <laughs> Bo Nix is going to take care of business. But regardless, that was wild. Um, Houston took care of business against UTSA. I always invested in that game because I like UTSA a lot. And, meep, meep. and Houston was wearing the uh, Houston Oilers alternates. Those were kind of sweet. Even yeah. though I'm mad that they won. Yeah, those um, sick. Penn State, Drew Aller. He's that guy. Yeah, they're still not winning the East. Penn State will win the Big Ten. No. Uh, Tulane, definitely the best group of five team in the country. Yeah. They took, I, they I took, like and South Alabama is supposed to be a solid team this year. They're supposed to yeah. be. I they were supposed to be a dark horse group of five team to make the near six and Tulane. Michael Pratt took care of business there. I still like Boise State in terms of group of five. God, I know got, they got hammered. They got housed yesterday I know in the second did, half. But I don't think they lose another game this year. They might not. But like 
it's the Mountain West. Until Oregon State shows up, they're going to run that conference. Right. But if they go 11-1 and one, with a loss to Washington being their only loss, I still think that puts them in a New Year's Six Bowl. But we'll see. The other game that I thought was fun late was Sam Houston State-BYU. I know that it was not much offense, and a lot of people probably don't like that. But I thought it was a lot of fun, really good defense. Sam Houston State is not a new FBS team to take lightly. Those guys were really good in the FCS. They moved up this year. They can play defense, and they showed it. Yeah, um, did not watch the game. Oh, I'm sure completely you honest. Um, I watched. It enough. was 14 to nothing, and it ended at one. I watched. So. An, I watched enough bad offense in the first half of the Michigan State game Friday for like a good three weeks. I'm good on watching Big Ten West football. Caden Slovis? Not really. I was um, somebody I wasn't impressed with yesterday. Wisconsin, their first game under Luke Fickle. They took on Buffalo. They, the game was very close until like the end of the third quarter. And um, Braylon Allen and uh, Che, che, che Malusi, Chez Malusi, I believe is how you Chez. say it. Chez. Uh, those two great backs, but Tanner Mordecai is not that guy, um, unfortunately. I don't think Maybe. he, he we'll might see. be. He struggled a little bit yesterday. I wish we had the drops so badly so we could just clip AJ's. It's week one, bro. It's week one. It, it, it every is time. It's week one, bro. I, you know, <laughs> all we can go off of is week one. So, therefore, they're not overreaction Until week two. Until week two. And then the narratives change. Everything changes. The narrative always whole, changes. We've got a lot of football. Merrifield. There's a lot of football to be played. That's why if you're looking for odds on things, you will get extreme odds at the Merrifield yeah, Sportsbook oh, the all the best time. time. <laughs> the, the, the people's. Sportsbook. <laughs> oh my gosh, man! Completely fictional, by the way. Just yes, throwing that yes, out there. Just there is no uh, black market sportsbook being run by Matt Merrifield. No, of course not. That's the disclaimer. Never that. <laughs> but no, it was it was fun to have college football back. It was it was definitely really exciting and a lot of fun to see. We still got some more to come. I mean, Rutgers Northwestern's about to start in a couple of minutes on CBS. So if you're a Big Ten fan. You're watching yeah. that game. The over-under is set at like 39. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, these are going to be two bad football teams, but, you know, it'll be fun. Rutgers is going to be the better yeah. football team, I think, and I don't think uh, it's going to be close. Well, I think it's more of a question who's the worst football team, not who's better, because neither are very good. Well, I mean, if someone's worse, then someone's better. Is it, though? There's a I difference. Mean, it's comparison. That's how that <laughs> I works. I would like to think so. <laughs> I think, <laughs> it's not who's better. It's just which one is worse, because they're both not good. But um, can we talk about... Iowa, real quick. Yeah, we can talk about whatever. We have a lot. Of time. We've got <laughs> some. We've still got another half hour to talk on college Kate, football. Kate, so go Ma- ahead. Cade McNamara goes out there, first two drives of the game, slings two touchdowns. Uh, it took like Iowa like five weeks last year to throw two touchdowns. And it took them like four minutes to score. It took two them touchdowns. Two. And I was worried because I was on Utah State. My lock of the week yesterday was Utah State plus twenty five, and I was like, Oh nope. no! Oh no! <laughs> like is Iowa back? Eh. Yes, Iowa eh. is back. That's eh. what happened they're, they're, in the second the same, half. They're back. They're the same. Yeah, they are back in the second half. They're back. They're the same team they were last year. They beat Utah State, who was awful last year. Yeah, they don't have that. Jordan Love anymore. Like, oh god. Anyways, uh, 24-14, they won. I, I look fine. McNamara had a Cade McNamara stat line. Is he better He's than a game Spe- manager? Is he better than Spencer yeah. Petrus? Yes. yes. Um, is Brian Ferentz saving his job? No. We'll see. He's he's at 24 for, points. For, you got to tell this story because okay, I didn't so, know about this. So for those that don't, I'm surprised you didn't know that. I didn't. As much as I know you follow, like you were watching Sam Houston State BYU. You're but, right. I was watching so, Sam Houston State BYU. For those that don't know, Brian Ferentz is the offensive coordinator for this Iowa team. And Iowa, historically, their offense sucks. So in his contract for this year, 
he has to average 25 points per game. And so he has to get to 325 points because that includes the 13th game of the bowl game. 300, if he scores 325 points this year for Iowa, he gets to keep his job. If he doesn't, June 30th of next of 2024, he is, his contract is terminated. He got to 24 points yesterday, so he's already behind schedule. And he played Utah State. Just throwing that out there for him. And their future schedule, they play Iowa State next week, Western Michigan the week after that. Then it gets into conference play of Penn State, Michigan State, Purdue, Wisconsin. I don't know how the hell they're getting into the I mean, based on his on historics, they're putting up 50 against Michigan State. No, they're not. In Iowa City, Stop just it. because that's what happens every time anybody from the Big Ten East goes to Iowa City. The Big Ten, how much are they putting up, Matt? And against Michigan State? Uh 17. <laughs> they might win at 17 if Noah Kim plays like he did in the first half, but the Big Ten West might be the biggest loser of this week. If we have like a biggest winner and biggest loser of the week, the Big yeah. Ten West was awful Purdue. yesterday. Purdue lost to Fresno State. Illinois looked decent. Toledo's a good football Toledo's team. A good, Toledo is a good team. Luke Altmaier was pretty good for Illinois, but former Ole Miss quarterback. It, but it's not a great look when you're expected to be the dark horse in the West and you struggle against a MAC team. I mean, I'm saying, I know Toledo's oh, yeah. a good team, but nonetheless, then you have Minnesota and um, Nebraska playing each other Thursday night. Both those teams didn't want to win that football game. Both looked awful. Um, good thing Michigan State plays both of them this year. Uh, Iowa was fine. Wisconsin yeah, looked, the best way to put it. Wisconsin was okay. Like, the Big Ten West is going to be the Big Ten West again. Who's Who else is in the West? Northwestern. Oh, God. They're, they're go. about to play. Are they going to score? Yes, Did they're they going score? to score today. Are they just going to score 10 points? Yes, they will score 10 points. AJ, will they win? No. Does Northwestern score 10, score 10 points. points today? Sure. Sure? That doesn't sound very confident. <laughs> it's sure. Northwestern football. Bro, what do you expect confidence? me to say? You were just arguing about which team was worse. I'm going <laughs> to sure. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say sure. I mean, oh, I'm God. guessing oh, you're God. saying no. As, we, oh, as, 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 as I, I look over right and they're talking about the hazing allegations against Northwestern on the CBS broadcast. Welcome to the Big Ten, or welcome to the Big Ten CBS. Yeah, like, the, I want to talk about some broadcast stuff, and I know we all have broadcast backgrounds. So, one, quick college football in or out. Uh, Impromptu edition. Fox Scorebug. I'm in on it. In or out? In. In. I like it. In. I People love complaining it. about it are wrong. It. Somebody just said wrong. it looked like it was just designed by SpongeBob, though, and that one made me laugh. It's fine. But, <laughs> it's fine. But it was, I like it. I like, I like the NBC oh, yeah, Scorebug, cool. the Peacock Scorebug. I don't love the Peacock broadcast. It's still, like, I, I will say, the people that, who but... complained about with all the streaming rights of channel surfing and getting game to game. That is hard to do now. Yes, yeah, it, it is. Was very, it's very difficult. Especially if you're like a fire stick like I do because, you know, you live in an apartment and cable <laughs> is not really a thing. Channel surfing, getting from game to game is tough. It's annoying as hell, especially when your Wi-Fi is unreliable. But, I mean, I don't hate that's on a specific network. I just hate how long it takes to jump between. Yeah. I didn't watch to see much of the Indiana game yesterday, so I'm interested to see what Big Ten football on CBS looks like. Uh, I'm not excited to see it in the form of Rutgers Northwestern in about two minutes. Uh, but we'll see if David Braun can get it done in his first game. My guess is no, um, even though I'm not a Greg Schiano guy either. I'm not a fan of Rutgers football, but, you know, I mean, we'll see. Any other in or outs that you have? Yeah, um, I want an in or out on Colorado will finish in the top three of the Pac-12. No, out. I'm in. Say oh, it. God. <laughs> um, Tweak one, bro. I'm going to go... <laughs> I'm in. I'm going to go out, but I'm going to say they're finished fourth. Um, anyways, all right. I just, honestly, I'm mad. I just kind of said that to me. <laughs> that's fine. That's perfectly fine. But 
I mean, that's what Matt says every time. He oh, I, hey, man, things. I like what I see. I like what I saw so far. It's we. Uh, anyway, right. anyway, so at least they played TCU and not Portland. State. Facts. Now but, you're oh. now you're trying to say it's week one when you're talking about Colorado, but with everybody else, you were no, getting way too far. You know, ahead you know what of the you difference though. is, though. It's I don't know. <laughs> you don't know <laughs> it, 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 it's my narrative versus your narrative. <laughs> All right, let's um, let's talk about these games coming up. There's four games between today and tomorrow that are at the FBS level that should all be somewhat interesting games. I mean, Rutgers Northwestern is not going to be great. Uh, the birthplace of college football at Rutgers in Piscataway. They've got a really cool entrance. They ride out a scarlet knight on a horse. Oh, That's pretty cool. The but, Seminole horse is way cooler. I mean, it is, but... I haven't seen the Seminole also, Horse in person. I saw this one in person. It was pretty cool. Yeah, with like 14,000 people watching. You're right. It's a glorified high school stadium. You're right. And then uh, Kenneth Walker took one 94 yards for a touchdown. I have to be honest. Jaylen I Nailer. am very happy we're not going to Rutgers in the middle of October. Yeah. I, there, is there anything I'm missing about Piscataway? Is there anything? I mean, like, what would you say? If you the def- media food was solid. And we're going to get into media food later. A little teaser for later in the show for the Sparty Awards. But the media food was solid. Um, but like, if I said, not really "Hey Zach, I'm going to Piscataway next weekend. Is there anything I should see while I'm not at the game?" No. Okay, that's what I thought. It's I mean, Piscataway is pretty much in the, yeah, it's pretty much in the middle of nowhere. Sorry, Sam Kurtman, our uh, operations manager here at Impact, but yeah, New Jersey's out. Yeah, I'm just gonna throw that out there. Sorry, but anyways, yeah, but yeah. So there's that game, Rutgers Northwestern. Then there's Oregon State, San Jose State. I want to talk about this game a little bit. We touched on it earlier, but I really like Oregon State. This season, I think that there's a good chance that they can make a run in the Pac-12, even though I do think they're a little overrated in the top 20 in the country to start the year because they need to show it to me. But I like the Beavers. Don't count them out to make some noise in the Pac-12. Yeah, they were my Dark Horse team last week. If I I believe they were. I was going back and forth between them and Colorado, and I think last week I said Oregon State. But, yeah, I... I'm interested. I'm in on the hype train. Um, their quarterback play last year wasn't great, so therefore, and they won ten games. I think it was they went nine and three, and then won the uh, LA Bowl against Florida. I I have to believe I'm in because ukulele ukulele it can't be worse than what they had last year. He's going to be a solid quarterback. I think he can elevate them to a next level, which could put them in a contention to win the Pac-12. So I'm in on Oregon State. I think, I don't know what the line is. I think it's like 16, 17 against San Jose State. It's down to 14. I mean, I thought the line against USC for San Jose State was too inflated, and they did cover, I believe it was 31. I don't think USC is a 17 point, 17, excuse me, 17 points favorite, 17 points better than Oregon State. But I guess we'll find out today. So I like Oregon State in this one. I think I I honestly would probably take them to cover. I know how good San Jose State is, but Oregon State. I just am thinking about the over at 55. Oh, yeah. You're hammering the over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the over is the the way to go if you're putting something on that game. Now, the game that is the game of the week, in my opinion, leading up to, and I don't think it's too close, Florida State LSU. What are your guys' thoughts on those teams in that matchup? I mean, I, I'm in on Florida State. I, I thought, I think Mike Norvell has done a great job building them back up from what uh, Jimbo Fisher had them at. And Florida State, obviously, you have Jordan Travis. He's been there for a couple. I think that he's. I felt like he's been there forever. Yeah, like he's. I, I remember when they were really bad with him, and, and it's nice to see that he's gonna have an opportunity to have a winning team around him. Keon Coleman's gonna help. I think the team is very talented. LSU though is just. 
so tough. I think Brian Kelly's I I really think he can go to that next level as a head coach at LSU from Notre Dame. There's just a different I mean, I know Notre Dame's Notre Dame and they care about football, but football in the South and LSU's gonna go to every extent to help get him a winner. And I think that's going to show here in these next couple of years. Jaden Daniels is a great quarterback. Um so I Harold Perkins on defense is an absolute beast. So I like LSU a lot this year. I, I it hurts that these two teams have to play week one because this game has so much implications towards the playoff. Like if you win this game, that's one extra game you can lose later on in the year. Like if you lose today, you got to be perfect pretty much the rest of the year, and that's a tough pressure to put on yourself. So um, yeah. I'm I'm excited. This is by far the best game of probably the first two weeks of the season. This game's better than Texas Alabama in my opinion too. Yeah, that's going to be a fun game next week. We can talk a little about those things. But I like this matchup a lot. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm definitely going to be seated somewhere, maybe with a projector up or something watching this game. I 1 million percent will be tuned in to FSU, LSU. I like Florida State, though. It's it's going to be fun, though. Jordan Travis, Jaden Daniels, you've got weapons on both sides. You've got strong defense in LSU. You've got a really high-octane offense, in my opinion, in Florida State. I'm excited. I yeah, I mean it should be awesome. Yeah, I like both of these squads and I'm in on both of them, but I'm a little more intrigued with Florida State, like you said. I'm I'm intrigued with that high octane offense that they'll have this year. Yeah, LSU's just so got such a tough schedule playing in the yeah. SEC West. Yeah. I mean, it's really going to be difficult for them, but it's going to be it's going to be fun to see what happens. And then the game on Monday night, Duke versus Clemson. I Talked about it a little bit last week. I am all in on Duke this year. I think that they're. I mean, okay, all in on Duke Upset? football. Question mark. I'll get to that in a second. Okay. All Duke football. Okay, all in on Duke football means they win like nine games. Like let's like let's set realistic expectations here. They're a very good squad. I think they won eight games last year. They return Riley Leonard at quarterback. They return a lot of their offensive weapons, and their schedule isn't very tough. I mean, obviously open against Clemson. Then they play Lafayette, Northwestern, and UConn. They do have Notre Dame and Florida State on their schedule as well. I, I, I can very easily see this team getting to eight wins because outside of the ranked teams they play and even the ranked teams they play, like I don't think North Carolina is as tough. I know they looked solid last night against South Carolina, but um, I'm in on Duke. They're getting 13 tonight against the Clemson Tigers. I love them to cover that, especially at home, because I also think Clemson isn't that good. Their offense is awful. It has been since Trevor Lawrence left school. Um, and I don't see Clay Klubnick or Cade Klubnick being that guy. I just, I don't see it. I saw, I tried looking for it last year in the Orange Bowl against Tennessee. It wasn't there, and I just don't see anything changing. But, you know, we'll see. He's got a lot of high prowess with Well, him. his high prowess is that his mobile ability, which you saw that his ability to run the read option is better than what DJ's was last year. But other than that, I don't see it. And I don't, I don't, I, I think it's also a scheme thing. Like Clemson's offense just doesn't look good just by eye test. It's similar to like Michigan State's where it's half the time you're wondering what is the game plan here, but. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of hit it on the head. I saw Duke a few times last year, and I really liked what I saw. I think, like you said, they return a lot of weapons this year, so I'm I'm in on them as well. I don't think they pull off an upset tonight, but, hey, I'm I'm still pretty high on that squad. We'll see where it goes. All right couple of superlatives before we get out of here. Favorite thing you saw this weekend? For me, I would say it has, had to have been Colorado. Like, I mean, that just that game itself. Not not just Colorado, but, I mean, it was just so entertaining. It was great seeing both of those 
teams go back and forth. But, I mean, seeing Shador and, and Travis Hunter just dominate on both ends of the field, that was utterly insane. My favorite thing was Friday night being up in the press box, seeing the Spartan Stadium be full and just hearing like this fight song be sang yes, and stuff like that. Just especially being from up there, it sounds different. And yes, it sir. was one of the coolest things. Um, one thing I didn't like though about Friday night was uh, there was an F Jim Harbaugh chant going on during the middle of the game or before the was it before the game or was it there during was the one game? before the game there was one during the game the one, one was, I didn't like one, was during an injury and I did not like one that. was during the I think I think it might have been during the game it was really loud like mm-hmm. I remember texting some people and they're like you can hear that I'm like yeah that's loud and they're like really and I'm like why are you guys doing this we're playing Central Michigan like stop it I hate I can't I don't even like it when they when Michigan State's playing Michigan it's stupid um but anyways, but yeah, my favorite thing was just seeing, you know, I love the Stripe Stadium. I think it looks cool, even though the student section is too big of a sea of white, in yeah. my opinion. That's a completely different argue, uh, conversation. Um, but nonetheless, I thought it was really cool. And um, it's awesome. Michigan State football's back. College football's back. It's the best time of the year. Another plug coming in. Matt Merrifield on the football crew this year, calling games. It was your first football call, correct? It was. Yes, it was. I was on color. Enjoy it? It was fun. I loved it. I mean, color's a little bit easier. Uh, you just kind of get to sit back and just talk about like what you saw, right? Uh, filling in time. Uh, and Zach and I have great chemistry. Obviously, we're really close. So it's, I mean, it was fun. Just felt like we we're calling a game. Sitting up in the booth is awesome. And uh, you get the call next weekend. I'll be on play by play next week against Richmond on my birthday. So make sure to tune in. Three thirty kick. We're gonna go live at about three o'clock on Spartan Red Zone pregame show. Make sure to tune in. Shameless plug here on WDBM. But yeah, so should be fun. That it will be. All right, my favorite thing I saw this weekend, well, the Colorado game was a lot of fun, but one of my favorite things I saw was just the energy at all of these stadiums. It felt like every game I was watching was rocking, and I loved that energy and just having college football back as a whole. Was there a ranked team that concerned you? I know we talked about most of them taking care of business, but was there a ranked team that concerned you? Um, I think Clemson's going to concern me tonight, even though I've been out on them. Um, Off the top of my head, Matt, while you look for one, I would have to say Ohio State, just because, like we talked about, Zach, they didn't put up that many points. I'm not too concerned about it. Like I've been saying, it's it's just week one, but that was the biggest, I think, eye-opener for me out of the slate of games last afternoon just because we like we said we saw so many teams at the top take care of business and then with them it was like eh, what's going on here there were a couple teams I think Wisconsin's one you could throw out there Iowa but those are teams I thought were fringe top 25 teams as it is so right. should they be ranked in the first place I don't know Ohio State obvi- that's the obvious one they just did not look good they took a lot to get going against Ohio or get, go, get going against uh, Indiana um, I've got a one that is has to be put in perspective because they didn't concern me too much because I still think they're going to be just fine. But watching a little bit of that game, especially early, Georgia, Georgia struggled in that who, first who half. Who did they play, UT Martin? Yeah. Okay. But they still won the game 45-7. Like, let's not act like they didn't get it together. But they struggled a little bit. And luckily for them, they don't have very many good football teams on their schedule. So they're going to have time to figure it out. But is Carson Beck going to be able to do what Stetson Bennett did the last couple of years? I'm not sure. Yeah. I I, I do think that the not having Stetson Bennett is going to come back to bite him at least once this year. Uh, I think the game at South Carolina is probably the one I see because it's early in the season. Um, but 
I mean, there were a couple teams. I mean, Tennessee didn't look great yesterday. I mean, they blew up Virginia, but Virginia's awful. Like, yeah. They, they're really bad. Um, Tony, the only reason Tony Elliott even has that job is Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion. Um, but other than that, I mean, it was I, the week one slate wasn't great yesterday. It wasn't a lot you could take away from it. Uh, next week's slate's slightly better. Obviously, you have Alabama, Texas, so we're going to learn um, if either of those teams are for real or if we're going to see how good Jalen Milrow really is or see if Texas is really back. So I'm excited, but yeah. That's definitely my favorite game for next week. There's not really a ton else. Ole, Ole Miss, Tulane, to, Tulane is another sneaky it's game. in New Orleans. It's yeah. in Tulane. So that is a sleeper. It'll be an interesting game. That'll be a lot of fun too. It will be. I think that's a three thirty though. I think that's right at the same time as Michigan State Richmond. Yeah, that sucks. So we'll have to see if we can catch a little bit of it, and I'm sure we'll talk about it next Sunday. That'll do it for our college football look around. We're gonna step aside. Be back with some Detroit Lions talk. The Lions kicking off their season against Kansas City on Thursday night. Stay tuned for that and more coming up on the Green and White Report. Back here at the Impact eighty nine FM studios, the Green and White Report. Rolls on with some NFL talk. The Lions are back with higher expectations than they've had in at least a decade. This Detroit team got a shot to try and maybe win a playoff game for the first time since 91. Yes, sir. We'll see how it goes. They've got this one coming up against Kansas City. Detroit playing in the opener Thursday night. AJ, I know you're a big Lions guy. What are your thoughts for this game? What are your expectations for Thursday night? Honestly, I'm not trying to get too ahead of myself. I feel like the hype and the momentum has just been building throughout the course of the offseason. There's been a lot to like. And, you know, you're looking for things to carry over from last season. But I, I'm I'm not going to try and get too ahead of myself with this game. I think it'll certainly be entertaining. You know, I can't definitively, you know, say that I, I think – you know, they'll come out with a win or that it'll be a a super close game towards the end. I certainly think it'll be close for the majority of it, but um yeah, man, I'm just not trying to get too ahead of myself with this one. I, I will say I think Chiefs come out on top, but hey, it's week one. It is week one. It is week it's week one, bro. <laughs> but I'm gonna keep saying it. And I think the biggest concern for the Lions this year doesn't help that they play the Chiefs week one. Right. Last year they started off one and six, I believe. And in twenty one under Correct. Dan Campbell, they started let me see. Nine oh and nine before they tied their first game and then didn't win their first game until December. Yeah. Um so slow starts is been the theme the first two years under Dan Campbell. That can't happen this year. Now I think this team is way too talented for them to start one and seven or one and six again. But it could happen. And then last year, their schedule was pretty tough to start the year as well. Um, so just don't fall behind. I think that's an important thing. After they take on Kansas City, they have Seattle, and they have Atlanta, Green Bay, Carolina, Tampa. Those are all, I think, very yes, winnable games. Those are games those are you, you games. have to take care of business in. Seattle's going to be tough, but at home, I see no problem with that. Um, I think the next game that I could see them losing is at Baltimore at the end of October. Like, there's a lot of winnable games. They should put themselves in a good position early in the year. I'm high on the Lions this year. I think this is the year they host a playoff game. I, Not just make the playoffs. I think they the Ford Field has earned the right, and they're going to take care of business, and they're going to win the North and be hosting somebody wildcard weekend. I think there's a real possibility of it. I, I think the North's going to be bad this year. Let me preface that. I don't think the North's going to be that good. I think it's going to be between Detroit and Minnesota. 
I think Minnesota's offense has enough weapons that they're going to stay in it. The problem is I don't trust Minnesota's defense. I would agree. And I I mean, Minnesota's offense, obviously lose Dalvin Cook, but I think Alexander Madison, their running back room, and as the NFL owners are trying to prove that the running back position is expendable. And so, but the wide receiver room, you add Justin Jefferson, the best wide receiver in the league. Now you add in Jordan Addison, who is a stud, won the Bolitnikoff at Pitt. And he looks good. And he looks really good. Yeah, he's obviously real had a great year at USC last year. Kirk Cousins, I still think, doesn't get enough respect at quarterback in the NFL. It's just a very, very good starting quarterback. I think it's too much of a bad rap in the playoffs when his defense historically has been terrible in playoff games, and that's the biggest concern for Minnesota. I think both teams are going to be – I haven't looked at Minnesota's schedule close enough. I think the Lions are an 11-win team. I think 11-6 and six is more than reasonable for this Lions team. And even if – oh, good to hear. Uh, our producer Joe Dez just texted me from the other room. He is – the number one Kirk Cousins fan, self-proclaimed. So, ah, Joe, really? I will support Kirk Cousins all year for you. Spartan dog. He doesn't get enough respect. But Minnesota, I, I mean, Minnesota's still going to be good this year. Um, the Bears, I'm out on Justin Fields. I think they're building something there, but I just don't think Justin Fields is the guy for that team. And there the Packers, some people really? talking like he could make a Jalen Hurts type I jump this year. I don't think so. I don't understand why everyone is so far apart. With, uh, with that's, that, that's what bothers me. I feel like there are people who are saying that, and then there are people who who think he's awful. There's no I mean, in between. Like, a, and I don't he, understand. He, it. I think he's in between. His mobile ability obviously is. I mean, it could arguably be better than Lamar's, or it's even with Lamar's. Unfortunately, I just don't think he has the arm. I don't think his arm talent is there. I think his arm think is what it. His arm is what got him to the NFL. But I don't. It, not his legs. I, but I think he but, does. but it's just the way. And now the Bears. Their weapons. I mean, DJ. They Moore's, don't have the weapons. Things have DJ been a Moore, mess. Correct. But they're like, not going like, to like be they, great. But. I don't. I don't. Under, I don't understand what you can expect out of a guy who has had, let's call it what it is, a mess of an offense since he's been in the league. I agree, and I think that this year we're going to see it. But like week one of preseason, and I couldn't tell if it was satire or not, which is what I hate because I am pretty good at picking up on it on Twitter, but sometimes it's hard to tell. Was week one? He threw two touchdown passes. He had like the, he was like three for four for one fifty. The only air yards he threw for those two seventy yard touchdown passes like negative four. It was like five yards. Like he threw a screen pass to DJ Moore. He threw a screen pass to Khalil Herbert, and they both took off and ran with it. That's not showing me arm talent. Like he's not like I just need to see him make the throws. Um, I just don't think everything. Sorry, Jay. Uh, Jay DeCoster, shout out to him. He'll probably be on the air a couple times this yeah. year talking about soccer, football. If he wants to come on and talk about the Bears, he can, even though they're not very good. Um, I love you, Jay, but Bears are not it this year. Uh, the Packers, we don't have Packers owner Jacob Phillips or Nick Burt on air to kind of defend them this year, unfortunately. But um, Jordan Love, I like Jordan Love, but they're not going to be that good this year. And um, so I, 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 the, the North is wide open. I think at worst this team's a wild card team. Like I just don't think the NFC has I, that much. I, I agree. I think... I think it's we're going to get well more into our playoff predictions and stuff once we get into our full NFL preview next week before week one really gets going. But we had to talk Lions today right. because they play Thursday night. I I like the Lions this year. I do. And I know it's been 20-something years of this is our year. But it's 32 years since no, Lions won a playoff game. The, the hype and the momentum is legit this year. It's I think not, so, too. It, I don't think it's like blind at all you what know? i think it's interesting because i was watching um colin cowherd i think it was tuesday last week 
I can't remember, but it was one of the days last week, and he had um, Chris Collinsworth on because he's doing the Thursday night game because mm-hmm. NBC does week one Thursday night football, and they were talking about the Lions. Like They spent a good five, ten minutes talking about the Lions. I don't remember the last time a national news sports news outlet, ESPN, FS1, has spent that much time talking about Lions football. Like It feels like, hey, oh, here's the Lions highlights. Oh, Matt Stafford got traded to the Rams. That's about as much as they talk about. Like It feels like they just don't get any of that attention. And Chris Collinsworth, like, this is a good Lions team. Like, was I shocked that they got Thursday Night Football Week 1? Yes, but with the Chiefs, like, that's going to be a great football game. Like, the Lions are here this year. Like, they, I think they're finally starting to get that respect, and I think that's the difference from years past, is people have taken notice, and they do realize what the Lions have and what potential they can be this year. If the Lions win Thursday night, AJ's going to walk into this building okay. with an insane smile on his face You know, when we get talking we can, about the NFL. The hype is going to be Kool-Aid. at another level if Detroit wins his first game. With that being said, I don't know that I think they go into Arrowhead and beat Kansas City, but... I do think this is a playoff team, and I do think that they're going to pick up a lot of wins this year. No, With that, go ahead. And also, too, regardless of whether they win or lose, I think it gives you an opportunity to see where you are against a team like Kansas City. But also, too, I mean, we talked about the slow start, Matt. Like, you are going to have to come out and be on top of your game against Kansas City, and that's going to have to – carry over into the following weeks after that. But like we said, the next four or five games after that are all winnable games. So that's what I'm most looking forward to. Kansas City game, whatever happens, happens. It's going to be week one. I'm not going to get ahead of myself, whether they win or lose. But those those next few games will be the determining factors, I think, of the course of the season because you just can't get off to a slow start. And they shouldn't, given the schedule. I mean, there's a lot to look into for this team. I I think they are a playoff team. I think they're going to win the North. Beyond that, I think Jameer Gibbs too is going to be yes, dynamic. I, he is, we, you and I were in here when he was picked, and we both were confused. Not with the pick itself, but just that it came so early. But you remember, I kept saying, "I think they know something we don't." Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I think they did. And I think he is going to be huge for this offense this year, even as a rookie. I agree. I I would agree. Even um, I think. Brad Holmes has shown something in his ability to draft players since he's gotten hired as the head coach of he took Panay Sewell yep. his first year. Uh, Kirby Joseph was a late-round pick. He's turned out to be, he. I, I see a lot of people saying he's going to be a breakout safety this year for this team. Uh, Jack Campbell is the other first-round pick, the Buckus Award winner. Great linebacker out of Iowa. Yeah. I think he's going to be a great piece. Linebacker is a huge position of need for this Lions team, and he's going to help fill that need. I loved that pick when, I, when they took. I him. mean, it's not a, it's not a super sexy pick, but I think it's the one that's going to work. Yeah, and yeah, and that's the thing is, last couple of years it feels like well, who did the Lions take two years ago? Not after Sewell, they took oh Hutchinson, and they moved up and took JMO, which JMO seems to be the only pick. Obviously, it's been mostly off the field stuff, but just I think there is a little bit of concern for him. Coming this year, obviously, after the uh, gambling violations, that he's been suspended for the first couple weeks of the season. Um, he had some troubles in camp. Looks, yeah. But, I mean... I'm not worried about it. I think he'll be fine. I'm tired of people overreacting about that. Like, at the end of the day, he hasn't seen much time on the field, which is the most important thing. Like, right. And, obviously, he has to get on the field to produce, but it's like all the other stuff, I- I'm not too worried about. The best ability is availability. Yes. Just remember that. But, Facts. I mean... but. Right, but he hasn't been on the field to prove it. So, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully he can get on the field soon. Hopefully nothing else sets him back. 
especially for how much capital the Lions traded up to go get him two years ago. Hutchinson's been a great piece, as much as it pains me to say. Um, I like the Lions this year. I can't say it enough. I can't wait next the next week to go into and you know break down around the league. Um, I refuse to talk about the Colts. Just throwing that out there now. Um, Jim Irsay is a has a very bad place in my heart right now. But I mean Thursday night the Lions. I don't I don't see them winning. I think they're getting six and a half. Uh yes, which, I believe so. I mean, I'd be hard pressed not to expect them to cover. I think it's going to be a great game. I think Jared Goff has really I, yes, I, 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 Jared Goff yeah. honestly for the respect I think he's truly gaining the respect of he is a solid you know middle of the road above average quarterback in the NFL like in that Kirk Cousins type of range because you know he got a lot of he, he struggled at a start then Sean McVay came in helped take him to a Super Bowl and but people thought oh it's just Sean McVay Jared Goff is not the guy and that's why they went out and got Matt Stafford but Goff has come back to prove that hey I am a solid quarterback and can play in this league and uh, I think he's going to continue that, and you know he potentially could be like a Pro Bowl level quarterback this year. I don't think that's out of reason. Stafford did win a Super Bowl though with Sean McVay. I, I, hmm. that team. Are you out on Stafford? Oh, I'm. I I don't love the whole Stafford versus Goff stuff, just because Stafford. Yes, did he lead them to the Super Bowl? Yes. But Jared Goff still wins that Super Bowl for the Rams. Like that, te- that Rams team was built to win that year. You have Von Miller on defense. You have Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald. That defense was stacked from top to bottom. It's why the Rams aren't very good anymore. It's because they sold out. They sold right. their soul to the devil to win that year. And I'm glad Stafford got it because he was part of selling out. Right. But I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if you can say you plug in Goff and they definitively win that that year. I mean, because. Let's let's give credit where credit was due. Like Stafford was dynamic. He was that great. Year. I mean, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, and I, I, the Rams I love golf. Had, had the Rams held. I mean, but I, it's it, it's kind of all hindsight because had the Rams not traded for him, they have slightly a slightly better future having hold on to those draft picks, and maybe they're not in a complete dumpster fire that they are right now because they still have golf at quarterback, so the team doesn't look as bad. Because Matt Stafford's career is. I don't know what the or they draft is. another quarterback draft because another quarterback. they were starting to get out on golf. Yeah, I think golf coming to Detroit was the best thing for golf. It, 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 oh, it yeah. probably was. You're probably right, and obviously it's worked out for the Lions. I think the Lions, regardless of Stafford winning that Super Bowl, the Lions have won that trade. Or the I think that especially if they win a playoff, if they win the division, like they're set up for the future I to think be competitors. Both teams won yeah. that trade because the Rams got what they wanted. Out exactly, of they like, won a Super Bowl. That's, that's what, what I'm they saying. were trying to do. Both teams wanted different things going True. into that trade, and I think both of them got what they were looking for. And that's yeah, it's one of the like, very few win-win trades yeah. that you see. But I think both teams got what they want. If the Lions are able to do what we think they're going to do. Yeah. And anytime a team wins a championship off of a major trade like that, you can't sit back and say that they lost. I mean, because regardless of whatever happens after, they, they yeah, did There win. is they one won. trade that I think of in my mind that comes to mind, and part of this is location, and this is going way back. The Tigers traded for a pitcher named Doyle Alexander to help them win a title. They won a title, but they traded away John Smoltz. And so you have a trade like that, but that's not what this trade is. This trade is a trade that the Rams wanted Stafford to win a title. They did that. The Lions wanted Goff and they wanted some picks so that they could rebuild to get to a point where they could win a title. They've got a shot to win the division for the first time in a long time. Yep, and I think they will. 
we'll have to see how it goes. They start on Thursday night. We'll have all the breakdown for you of that game, I'm sure, on Sunday morning next week here on the Green and White Report. We're going to step aside, be back in about five minutes for Sparty Awards and Gambling Corner, and then we're going to wrap it up and get to the end of the week. But hope you guys are having a great Sunday afternoon so far. We will catch you on the other side of the break on the Green and White Report. It's everybody's favorite time of the Green and White Report at the end. It's the Sparty Awards. We're going to go through and give our tops on all of these. I'm going to give mine nominees style. There's three nominees that I've got, and then I'm going to give a champion. Got to make it an award show type thing. So I'll give my nominees here, and they're going to be interesting because one of them I feel like is an unfair nominee, but it's going to be here anyways. Oh, I think we should add on here. Of the three of us in this room, Zach has by far covered the most games for because this is pretty much for impact only for the most hey, part. For the yeah. most part, because yeah. B Ten Plus doesn't allow us to travel, so Zach has covered football sophomore in his junior years here. So he's gotten to go to yeah, Michigan. Have, a lot, a lot of these, a lot of these places uh, covering. I went to Ohio State freshman year for baseball and Michigan last year for women's basketball and the Big Ten tournament. Um, AJ, I know you've only gone to a couple places. So we're going to get to experience some new places this year. You are. Obviously, football, we're going to Iowa, Minnesota, Ohio State, and Indiana, so I'm excited. And I have not been to Iowa or Minnesota, so I can't give you any insight but, on those. Ohio State and Indiana, I can we can talk about that in a minute. But I, I, I will have a few questions, even if you don't bring them up. I know you have your candidates on here, but I will ask about some of the other ones I know you've yes. gone to because... Yeah, we've got, a little insight we've got about we just 10 don't minutes have, to talk but through yeah. this, the Sparty Awards with Big Ten Media Food. But let's start with my top three. I think Michigan was really good uh, in that night game last year. I think also part of these depends on when the games are. Because Ohio State was really good if you like breakfast, but it was a noon game. I'm not really a breakfast guy. The Peach Bowl, obviously, was outstanding. Um, like I said, a bit of an unfair one there. And then Rutgers was kind of underrated. It was another breakfast one, but I'm a big fruit guy and they had a lot of fruit. So that was solid. Um, I like the places obviously to have the spreads rather than just kind of like a coupon for something. The fresh produce of Piscataway. Yes. (laughs) But one million. Why don't you have Michigan state on here? You don't like your, no comment. You you don't like your two. I, hey, I, I I will say on Friday night, melting moments ice cream sandwiches are there. Yeah, but so. you, you don't. You, yeah, but you have to. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, it was funny on Friday night. We get our two slips for meal pre- meal passes, and I went up and I wanted a hot dog because our options are pretzel hot dog or uh, brat. They didn't have any hot dogs, and it's like forty five minutes for kickoff, and I'm like. Well, also, you didn't see the line though, right? As soon as that place opened, there was a twenty person line for food. I was a little disappointed, so I settled for a pretzel. I got a hot dog at halftime. Pretzels are solid there. I housed yeah, it in like are. the five minutes I had between the halftime show and uh, the start of the second half. So, But anyways, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, um, so who's your winner, Zach? I mean, the Peach Bowl's got to be the winner, right? Didn't like you guys that, have an ice cream bar? Yeah, so that spread was... You walk in, and I'm... So it's the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, by the way. So I'm expecting Chick-fil-A, right? And I would have been perfectly fine with Chick-fil-A. I was like, I'm hype. We get Chick-fil-A for media food, whatever. I walk in and there's a spread with like pork chops and green beans and asparagus, and all sorts of stuff. And that's just the dinner part before the game. It was outstanding. And there's also a self-serve ice cream like machine and stuff there as well. It was great. And then Chick-fil-A is the snack at halftime. They had boxed Chick-fil-A's. It was just outstanding uh and so i think that's got to be there but 
You guys go ahead with your favorites, and then uh, you can get to the questions. I, I, th- I think mine are a little niche. I've traveled three times for Impact. Um, Michigan, when we went to the women's basketball, wasn't bad. They had box sandwiches for us. They were like quality sandwiches. I think they had like a ham and cheese. Not bad. Um, it got the job done. I was very hungry. Um, to go with that, uh, when I went to Ohio State my freshman year with Tommy Cavanaugh and Jacob Phillips, they didn't have a media meal for us. They didn't have anything, meal slips or anything, but we went to a rain delay. Yeah, and, and a, it was and a, a baseball and game. And a doubleheader. Which you... Right. But And the SID for Ohio State ordered pizza for the press box, and he's like, oh, yeah, you guys are here. You guys can have some. So I don't even know where it was from in the middle of Columbus. Delicious pizza. That guy... I had some good That pizza SID for Ohio too. State was... I don't even remember what his name I did it, too, now that I think about I had it. some good pizza in Columbus when I was down there to cover it. Yeah. It was expensive, it, but it was it good. It was, but it was solid. I, we walked a little bit downtown to go get it. It was it was good. I uh, So I don't know where we got it from, but... It was not bad. I mean, I was like very happy because he's like, "Yeah, you guys just had some. We ordered plenty for everybody." I was like, "Cool." Um, the Big Ten tournament last year in Chicago, the media meals were pretty good. We also had like unlimited drinks for anything, so that was nice. Oh, I, yeah. You I, get that at Spartan Stadium. You get that at Spartan Stadium. I had like six Pepsi's for the game on Saturday, on Friday night. Oh my! I, I was. <laughs> so, oh. and I, Sloak and I were a little excited. Yeah, and if we're you guys like, heard some. Uh, some jitters on we, the we, air. It was just we Merrifield were, shaking the from pre-game, the caffeine. The pregame show, we were shaking. Like it was, it was, <laughs> it was not our finest moment. And then we got to halftime, and I realized how bad I had to use the bathroom. And I did the halftime show, so I was doing a little running around trying to get a hot dog and everything. Friday night was interesting. Um, my top one, I'm gonna go Big Ten tournament last year because it was just the most like catered one, and it was good. Yeah. Um, but I have a lot of questions for Zach. Consider, I'm excited. My prediction for this year is Minnesota's will be the best food. I forgot to mention underrated one from last season for football, Illinois. Illinois had some good food before that game. That game, the winds were like 10,000 miles an right. hour, but I, I heard, was, what did they have? That was good. I don't even remember. It was similar to that Peach Bowl one. It was like chicken okay. and green beans I heard and there was, stuff. It was good. Somebody said, uh, one of the former reporters on that beat last year said that there were refreshments in the press box there after were. the game, which I just genuinely interested to see. Just I was... I had not, not seen that. Before. I, I had not seen. I had not heard of that before. But anyways, but yeah. All right, AJ, you got one, and then I'm sure Merrifield's got some questions, so we can keep. Talking I have a lot about of questions. Big Ten football media food for sure. Um, so I went obviously to cover the NCAA tournament oh, last year. Yeah, Columbus was Columbus was cool. Um, it wasn't anything too crazy. Okay, the spreads were were fine. I don't, you know, to tell you the truth, I really don't even remember them too much. But it, it was fine. Whatever it was, um, New York spread. The garden was nice. The mm-hmm. second round that was that was cool. They had some sandwiches. Um, those were really good. A lot of drinks. Something interesting happened in in at the garden though. So one of the days we were there, I got my my meal ticket or whatever, and it was something like twenty two dollars. Mm-hmm. And so the first day, I think I maybe gotten a hot dog, and the second time, I wanted to get this cheese these cheeseburgers that everyone was eating and everyone was saying were so good. Are these um, from like the concession stands mm-hmm. in the garden? Yeah, the concession stands. Dude, did you try the hot honey chicken there? No. That stuff was so good. Oh I went to goodness. the I went to the garden at the- Why are you uh, laughing? Well, I'm just laughing. We're talking about hot honey chicken hot from, the, honey, from the garden. Hot honey chicken? Yeah, that sounds dude, like I a went stomach there. ache. Oh my goodness. Nah, it was good, man. I went there. I mean, I got like the honey stuff on the side, just kind of dipped it in. Oh. But it was, uh, I went there for the Big East tournament a couple years ago. This stuff was electric. Really? Yeah, it was so good. If we go back to the garden, you got to try it. I will. I will. <laughs> All right. Anyways. No. So anyways, so I get, so I see, I saw someone with these cheeseburger with this cheeseburger or whatever, and it looks super good. And so I'm like, yo, I got to get that. And it looked different from like a regular cheeseburger. So, so I go there and like I said, my meal ticket is like $22. I kid you not. 
Bro, the, the cheeseburger was like 15. I wanted to get a cheeseburger, fries, and a drink. That's what everyone was getting. The cheeseburger was like 16 bucks, and then fries are like seven. So I'm already over. And mm-hmm. then, and then like, I, I was like, I'm not getting a burger and fries without a drink. Like, I, I need a drink right now. I don't know why. I just felt like I needed one. So, so I was like, okay, let me get a lemonade, which was another like $7. So mm-hmm. it comes out to 30. I'm like, all right, so how much do I owe you? I'm asking the person, I'm like, how much do I owe you? Like $7? And she was like, nope, you're good. Your ticket cleared it all. That's clutch. I was like, what? Huh? And then I just grabbed my stuff That's clutch. before she changed her mind. But yeah. You can't, you can't admit that on the airwaves, AJ. I, I actually statute of limitations for too you. Too late. Is it? <laughs> I mean, last year when we were in, before I get to the questions, when we were in the Big Ten tournament, they had uh, obviously the free like fountain drink station. They also had water bottles everywhere of um, core water bottles, like the nice yeah. fancy oh, water yeah, bottle. Yeah, yeah. I love core water I, bottles. I am going to, I mean, I don't know if this is necessarily incriminating. It's there for us to take, but Michael Markach <laughs> took, I swear, like seven bottles and put them in his bag one oh night and left them. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> don't do that. Were, no, but speaking, okay, speaking of Michael, shout I, out. I opened the fridge uh, Saturday morning and I look and it's just our leftover pizza from Lou Malnati's from the first night. And seven bottles of core water. Oh man! I was like, and he brought them home with him. Like I was like, what? yeah. Anyway, the life of a college student. Anyways, after that happened with the burger fights, I go and I sit down to next to Brendan Shabath, and I told Brendan what happened, and he literally like almost dropped his stuff and was like, "Yo, the same thing happened to me." He had the same thing I had. So, mm-hmm. hey man, I don't know. We both got lucky. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Give me your couple questions, then we got to get to gambling corner. Oh, uh, you guys went to Miami your sophomore year, Miami, yes. Florida. But what was the Hard Rock Stadium's meal? I'm not going to lie to you. I did not eat at Hard Rock because we were on Radio Row, which was like across the stadium from mm-hmm. the main like press box. So I didn't really eat much there at that. I'm sure it was decent, but uh, that was the like the second road game I ever covered. Okay. And so I was more like focused on trying to figure out where in the world we needed to be. Interesting. So I did not I say, You were with Nathan Stearns and Aiden Chan. Well, I love Aiden Chan and I love Nathan Stearns, but that, yeah. that was one no, of the I beats did, of I all did time. Not, yeah. I could, I that could, was a fun year, but no, I did not. Um, uh, where else did you guys go that year? I mean, we went to Atlanta. We went to Northwestern. You guys didn't get to go to Penn State. That's no, we did a, not. That would have been last year, but we did not go to. Penn I'm State. interested. You guys went to Columbus, but this year we go to Columbus. It's a night game, so yeah, we will I'm have a different. Spot. I'm, 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 I'm expecting big. They thing. had like McDonald's but, smoothies at that game. Because like, 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 really? like McDonald's is like a because like with them. Like that I know that's the big game on NBC. I I know Todd Blackledge is going to expect big things from the <laughs> you know. I, I talked to him at media days. Super cool guy. Um, unfortunately, Taste of the Town is not returning or not not is not coming over to NBC. Yeah. I asked him about that. Okay. He said no. Um, so cool guy. Anyways, we get get to gambling corner. Yeah, now. <laughs> let's let's get to gambling corner. But if you guys ever see us covering games, just know the media food is going to be. It's, it's just something people don't think about, but it's something we take pride in. Is Michigan State needs melting moments more in their media spreads. Anyways, I agree. Gambling corner. All right, I've got three picks ready to go. I know Merrifield's got some. I'm going to start with one that I put on this sheet, and I made sure they knew before this even started that I put this on the sheet because right now it looks pretty good. Rutgers minus five and a half was minus 115. I thought that was really easy. I've told you guys earlier about the um, my thoughts on Rutgers Northwestern. Rutgers is better than Northwestern. They're up 7 nothing. They're about to score again. And I'm going to correct that phrasing. Northwestern is seven points worse. You know what? Anyways, um, yeah, so give me Rutgers minus five and a half. When both teams are going to win at most four games combined this year, 
I think that's the proper verbiage. But I, I think they're going to get to six. I think Rutgers wins four games. I think Northwestern wins two because they're about to play a couple of low-level schools. Um, Let me see. Northwestern genuinely might win one game. They play Howard because they play UTEP they're and gonna Duke. They're going to beat Howard, and they're going to beat UTEP. UTEP's not a good football team. And Northwestern's really bad. <laughs> You're right, but I think they beat both those two teams. Just the difference in talent level. Anyways, um, anyways what talent's yeah. Northwestern football? <laughs> it's Big Ten football, though. <laughs> Big Ten West football. Um, okay, I'll go with my first pick. Speaking of... Touchdown Rutgers. Oh, God. Hey, the pick's already looking pretty good. Um, tomorrow night, Monday night football, college Monday night football. Yeah. Duke is plus 13, but we are going to hammer... Duke money line plus three sixty. I think oh. I love it. I mean the values the values there. It's a lot of juice. I think Duke can get it done. And All right. I'm fair enough. Out on Clemson. You know what? I like that one too. You like that? Okay. I'm fair rolling enough. with it. You're All gonna right. roll with it? I've got Florida State money line tonight plus one away. Interesting. I like your next bet coming up for that game. That's uh, yeah. That's the juicy yeah, one. Yeah, that Yeah, that I was like gonna that be that a one. Yeah. You can take it, AJ. We'll just do two a piece today. All you right. could take my other one. So go ahead. For sure. Keon Coleman, anytime touchdown. That's the one I got. Plus one thirty. I think that's solid. I like the uh I like the look. I think Keon Coleman's their number two option, but I think he's gonna get the number two coverage. And mm-hmm. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna get one today. All right, Matt, what's your second one? Uh my second one, I'm trying to confirm the number. Okay, it is open. Colorado right now is minus one and a half against Nebraska. Yeah, they are. Give it all of me. I want all of it. All of it. What's the, uh, have what's have the number on that? One and a half. Oh, minus 115. Yeah. No, that at minus 115 at one and a half. Ooh. Yeah. No, I I definitely feel like that is uh, the spot to go in that game. Colorado, I didn't like the way Nebraska looked. I will say, I think Nebraska's defense is better than TCU's defense by a wide margin. But yes. I don't love. But Jeff Sims is not a good quarterback. Georgia Tech legend, Jeff Sims. Yeah, well. George I don't Tech's even know. Good either, George Tech's really bad. Um, just they keep they gave that game away to Louisville and Jeff Brom on Friday night. Yeah, Jeff Brom one and zero in the in his new era. All right, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're glad you guys joined us today. We're super excited to get everything going and get back into the swing of things this year. Events coming up this week. If you guys are listening and a student here at Michigan State, make sure to check out the Impact Open House, Full Station Open House, Tuesday night and Wednesday night, starting at five o'clock to eight p.m. There may or may not be food. Just saying. Really hope there is. Me too. There, I, <laughs> there might be food. Just, just saying to anybody that wants to come check out the station. Five o'clock. We are in Holden Hall downstairs, Suite G four. So make sure to come and check us out. We'll all be here. You can check out the studio where you get to listen to these from. And so make sure to come and we'd love to meet you guys. We'd love to see you guys. And make sure while you guys are listening to these, reach out to us at WDBM Sports on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you guys. And what you guys think and get you guys involved. Or if you have my phone number to the certain family and friends texting me, like my father, who not happy with my Duke pick. Just going to throw it out there. Feel free. I love hearing people's thoughts on the show. Yes. Twitter's a little more fun because it's public, so yes. I don't get as much hate from people. Hey, man. You got to you gotta let Merrifield hear it sometimes. Anyways. Quote, uh, it's week one, bro. It is week one, bro. Um, to, on top of Open House, uh, our first sports meetings this week, big yes. time on Wednesday night. So if uh, obviously any students interested in joining, yep, come on come out, out, check us out. Uh, we'll be talking about upcoming events and ways mm-hmm. to get involved. And the game Saturday, we mentioned it earlier, but make sure to tune in with Matt Merrifield, Zach Slowick on the call from Spartan Stadium. 
Starting at 3 o'clock with the Spartan Red Zone pregame show. Kickoff scheduled right around 3.30 as the Spartans take on the Richmond Spiders. That'll do it for us here from Impact 89 FM. We're glad you joined us. This has been the Green and White Report on WDVM East Lansing.